Hello, and welcome back to Megan Plucker Pitters. In this episode of Megan Plucker Pitters, we will be, t- or I will be talking about uh, the United States Senate's nuclear option and what it means and why is it that we talk about so much and why is it important going through why we talk about so much right now and everything else relating to Senate's, U.S. Senate's, U.S. Senate nuclear option. And it's not like an actual nuclear weapon, it's just an expression or a phrase that we use in, in politics. So let's get started here. The idea of the big fight, I, I think that uh, if there is any list of regrets to be written by Begala and the Democrats after the midterms, not putting voting rights at the top and really the only thing on their list Mm-hmm. Um, may, may be there because I, I've never seen a bigger misplay, on, uh, honestly, about something that matters as much. The filibuster is the key. Manchin doesn't want to touch the filibuster. Uh, Anderson uh, was correct in moving Biden specifically onto that issue after a question. Here's what he said on point. I also think we're going to have to move to the point where we fundamentally alter the filibuster. Are you saying uh, once you get this current uh, agenda passed on uh, spending and social programs that you would be open to fundamentally altering the, the filibuster or, or, doing away with the, or doing away with it? Well, that remains to be seen exactly what that means in terms of fundamentally altering <laughs> whether or not we just end the filibuster straight up. Voting rights you, equally as consequential. When it comes to voting rights, just so I'm clear, though, you would entertain the notion of doing away with the filibuster on that one issue? Is that correct? And maybe more. Like thinking about it in real time? Then he's like walking around, Anderson's trying to get his attention. Um, it's Mansion. It's not we, we, we. There's no we, we, we. Is there any indication, Dana, that Mansion got a message from the rebuff of his own retooled voting bill when none of his buddies on the other side of the aisle would even vote for debate? Maybe, maybe, but not in the short term uh, because the president w- was very, very clear, very candid in so many ways. And this was one of the ones that was m- most striking to me about the fact that he just doesn't want to deal with voting rights until he gets this done. The argument that you made about the fact that voting rights could be, uh, and that they could look back on this as a very big missed opportunity because nothing else matters unless people in these key states, uh, from Georgia to Texas to Arizona and beyond, have the ability to not just go to the polls in a way that is not restrictive, but to make sure that the votes that they cast are not overturned. And so that is such an important issue. And Joe Manchin has been lobbied nonstop on this issue. And it is a very big open question whether or not, as you said, because the compromise bill that he says he put forward uh, got no Republican support at all earlier this week. Once this uh, these two bills are done, whether or not that is going to change in terms of approach. And you can bet that from the, the activists out there to constituents of every other Democrat and people who talk to the White House constantly, that that is going to be a big, big priority. I just want to say, I think I said earlier that the, uh, Kirsten Cinema doesn't want to, or they're not going to raise taxes at all. I meant to say on the, they're not going to raise the rates 
not necessarily taxes on wealthy tax people who are wealthy will likely see their taxes go up. Okay, so that was an old video, uh, old clip from this article because it was talking about a nuclear option in filibuster and evidence related to the nuclear option. And because Cuomo, Chris Cuomo of CNN is no longer, has been with CNN for quite some time since he was fired. So that's how you know this video that I just played you is is old. Anyway, uh, what the article says, what to know about a Senate's nuclear option. It was updated January. It was updated and it was published January eleventh, twenty twenty two. As Democrats pushed to pass voting rights legislation through Congress, there's been talk of using a process known as, as the nuclear option. It's an overheated phrase that boils down to changing Senate rules to pass legislation with a simple majority. Senators need sixty folks to to do just about anything in the Senate, but change the rules. That takes only 51 votes. Nuclear? That sounds harsh for something as simple as a rule change. Senators view themselves as being part of the world's greatest deliberative body. It's a debatable point, but in order to protect the minority party, make sure nobody does anything without a full debate, Senate rules require that 60 out of 100 senators agree to, to folks to move towards passing legislation. In fancy language, they speak on Capitol Hill. Limiting, de- limiting debate and moving towards a vote is called invoking cloture. Actually, passing the legislation takes only 151 votes, but because of the procedure rules, it takes 60, vote, 60 to invoke cloture and get to the actual vote. By requiring only 51 votes to limit debate, the entire character of the chamber would change. Instead of being forced to get buy-in from the, from the minority party, Republicans right now, the majority party would be able to pass anything for which it could get a simple majority. The idea is that it would figuratively blow up the Senate. For now, a simple majority at Senate excites many Democrats who want to pass more legislation. It frightens Republicans whose strategy is to grind things on Capitol, on Capitol Hill to a halt. The symbolism of going nuclear, going nuclear, nuclear, nu- nuclear, pretends to sort of mutually assured destruction in the future. To borrow another Cold War term, Democrats won't always control the Senate. And when Republicans are in charge, you can bet they will turn for favor. Has this kind of has this kind of rule, cha- rule change ever happened before? Yes. We're already living in a post-nuclear option world when it comes to presidential nominees. Most judicial judicial and executive branch nominees used 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 to require 60 votes to vote and vote closure. Democrats changed the rules to require only a simple, major- simple majority to get votes on most Nominees during the Obama administration. Obama administration. Republicans transferred rules for Supreme Court nominees during the Trump administration. Is is all this constitutional? Sure is. The constitutional constitution doesn't say anything about Senate rules. It puts that puts that power in the hands of senators. 
quote, each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, according to Article 1, Section 5. Senators are tasked with signing off on nominees in Article 2, Section 2, but it doesn't say how exactly which has led to a centuries-long debate on the matter. Here's what the Constitution says about the president's power to appoint. Quote, he, should, he shall have power, power with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme, Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by the law, but the Congress may be made by law vest for appointment of such inferior officers as they think proper in the house in the president alone in the courts as they think proper in the president alone in the courts law or in the heads of departments. So where does the sixty foot threshold come from? It's in the it's in the Senate rules. Read the chapter on closure. But the rules have changed over time. Until 1949, for instance, according to the Congressional Research Service, senators couldn't even move to limit debate and folk closure on nominations. According to the Senate website, Henry Clay was the first senator to threaten going nuclear on legislation back in 1841. Up, in, up until 1975, it actually took 67 votes to overcome a filibuster. The most famous examples came during the Civil Rights era when Southerners from both parties blocked, blocked equal rights legislation. It took 60, 60 days of filibustering to find the votes for the 1964 Civil Rights Act. What, what role does actual filibustering filibustering play in all this. Everybody seems to have a different definition of what a filibuster is. In pop culture, filibustering brings to mind Jimmy Stewart in, in the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, speaking for hours to block, to block legislation with, with, with which he disagrees. These days, the filibuster is an implied thing when, every, when everybody realizes that there aren't 60 folks to limit debate. Senators don't generally spend much time debating at all. They just move on. When a senator mounts an all-night speech, the outcome is usually preordained. If rules are changed and it requires only a simple majority to limit debate, Republicans will still have delaying tactics to use. They simply would not be able to block most votes altogether. Why is all this coming to a head now? More and more Democrats support doing away with the filibuster, at least in some circumstances. Already, most legislation, tax cuts during the Trump administration and health care during the Obama administration, required finding a way around filibuster rules. In those two cases, party leaders exploited budget rules. But that's an imperfect solution and would not work for phone rights, the issue of which most Democrats argue it's worth changing rules. Democrats want to impose new national rules to protect the rights of voters as Republicans in key states scramble to limit access to 
mail-in voting and otherwise make it more difficult to cast ballots. But the consequences of going nuclear would extend beyond voting rights. You can't go back from a nuclear option. That's why more moderate Democrats like Senators Joe Manchin, Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona aren't yet on board with pushing the nuclear button. Okay, so as far as I understand, going nuclear means it's it's uh means you that you only need uh change the rules so that your party can be able to pass all the legislation that you want and any legislation with fifty one votes and not sixty votes. Because the senators in the U.S. Senate need sixty votes to do just about anything in the Senate. But except for changing rules, the changing rules in the Senate comes to what comes down to fifty-one votes, and right now it's it's fifty-fifty in the Senate with President Vice President Harris as the as the tie-in vote, or as the pres, president of the Senate. So if you think about this way, uh, that. In a way, if if Democrats just want to get the voting rights legislation passed or all the police form or other bills that they've been like some other uh, some of bills that they've been they've been waiting to pass like for George Floyd reform police reform act or I think that's what the title is I'm not sure I have to look it up uh but anyway. If they want to get any of the major piece of legislation that they've already passed in the House, but it's waiting to be passed by the Senate, then they need to actually... Now, I would think that they would be plea, pleading with, with like, Kirsten Sinema, Senator Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin to just let them do... let them uh, go nuclear, which means let them change the rules the rules of the Senate so that they can actually pass legislation. But see, because see, with with uh, when they were when uh, the U.S. Senate was when the senators and the U.S. Senate were trying to come together and on a compromise, but uh, compromised uh, I think it was infrastructure bill. It was challenging for them because they were trying to get enough votes that. It would go over the 60 foot threshold so that they can actually pass it. And when they did, they had a bipartisan group of lawmakers in the Senate that actually were to come together. And that was what I was praising for in some of the earlier episodes of this podcast. I still think it's great that they did that. And I still think the nuclear option can be can be helpful when, for example, you you're trying to get a Supreme Court nominee in, just as Trump. And the, Senate, and the Senate Republicans used whenever Trump had a nominee in the U.S. Senate during his during his term during his time in office during Trump's time in office when he nominated uh, Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh, and last Amy Coney Barrett or ACB. Oh, wait, Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, I think it was. So it just, I mean, it changes whenever a party has control or not. Because when every party does it, 
because they, but Republicans have done it when they've been in power, and Democrats try to do it when they've been in power. I'm pretty sure they used it in other instances. instances. Uh, but right now, it's only Democrats are not doing much to change for Senate rules, only because they have they tight they barely have control of the Senate as it is right now because it's 50-50 with the vice president's tie-in vote required when the Senate votes 50-50. So it's interesting to think about this way because normally if you have, let's say, 46 Democratic senators and, let's say, maybe 51 Republican senators, then... uh. Then you would actually have Republicans as a majority, where they could actually change rules as in their own ways. I'm, pr- and I'm thinking that uh, with if Republicans won control right now with 51 and 46 for Democrats and the U.S. Senate, then the Republicans would on by majority rule they would actually take change rules on. So that they could get all the legislation, and if if they actually control both chambers of Congress, if they were to right now, which they don't, but if they were to, then they could get they could push and slam all the legislation they wanted to, to and sign it into law, except for fact that Biden, President Biden would not sign it, would not sign it into any of the legislation into law. Because he would probably be up against it, but this is where it, it it gets tricky. Because if you're Democrats, normally right now, if you had better control of the Senate and the House, or not, then you'd be able to pass anything you want, and you'd be able to change the Senate rules for for your pleasure or any for any way you wanted to, in any form of pleasure, just so that you could, uh. Pass any legislation and slam through a, any laws or acts or any bills that would help for the Americans lit be a better be better have a better society at than we than our society was like twenty or fifty or sixty or eighty years ago. So it's interesting to think about how how the party in control can and how how much they're in control of a Senate and of Congress can play a factor in it, in my mind. And, I'm, I mean, I've been in, I've followed politics for not, for like maybe five to ten years or so, maybe. But in my time, as, in my time uh, keeping on politics, I've noticed that the party in control in the U.S. Senate typically changes rules for certain nominations, like for some Supreme Court Nominations. So if I'm, I'm thinking if I, if if, if there's if there was to be a possible vacancy, like one of the Supreme Court justices, one of the older Supreme Court uh, justices would retire, like Justice Breyer or anybody else on the Supreme Court would retire, would supposedly retire, then that would open up seat. For a new justice, and I, I certainly think the Democrats will take advantage of it. Even though right now they have a tight majority, they've been tight majority with 50-50 Senate right now. 
So I think it'd be tricky if they were to if they were to try to slam through a they would try to slam through a Supreme Court nomination that Biden that person Biden would would be uh, nominated a Supreme Court new Supreme Court justice, and it would be tricky because they would do the same thing Republicans have done during Trump Trump former president Trump former president Trump's time in office during his administration, where Republicans said, oh, majority rules, we, even though we don't have 60 vote, vote, votes to pass to, uh, to confirm these justice, these confirmation, this, uh, these nominees to the Supreme Court, we're going to go with 51 votes and we're just going to pass these, confirm these nominees to the Supreme Court. That's what they did with Amy Coney Barrett. Which is right before, which was literally like weeks, like a two weeks or, or so before the before the 2020 presidential election, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away in August, I think, August or September of 2020, and they had not much time because Trump had nominate nominate someone, and then he, he actually get they they had uh, Amy Coney Barrett had actually go through the nomination process of being nominated. And then being announced, and which meant, and then uh, actually spending time with senators in in the Senate Judicial Committee hearings, which is a full of like a lot of back talk and sometimes a lot of gossip about how she is as a person, and a lot of just you know bull crap about how how they should pass the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Which led to that, and I think Trump was right on not packing for Supreme Supreme Court with, with more with more justices. And I think the Democrats have a bad reputation when it came to packing for Supreme Supreme Court if they were to do that. And I think I as far as I remember, President Biden had uh he was he actually had formed a commission just to for the for the commission. For a purpose of seeing if they, if he or in Congress, Congress should actually expand, expand the Supreme Court with more justices and by adding more justices to it, like like four or five more justices to it, and making it a, for Supreme Court like full of thirteen or twelve, thirteen or twelve, thirteen uh, justices, which is a different story in itself. But that's not why I'm talking about the nuclear option when it's Senate. So as a as a whole, the Senate needs to and I'll talk about this in a later episode, hopefully soon, about the filibuster, which is related to this nuclear the Senate's nuclear option. Because they someone I think a senator can pro or the senator can basically say no or cannot can deny a motion in the U.S. a motion from a senator about a bill or law by by uh by closing uh by invoking closure, I believe, or they can say, well, they can say, or they can say, no, I'm going to deny this. I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say no to this proposed bill, and I have reasons why, and then they list it in a thing. But I think for, 
I still think it, uh, I still think the demo the Democrats may want to pass more legislation right now with voting rights legislation, but they've already passed the House, and that may be scary for Republicans who think it just it's a great it's a great strategy by uh bringing the grinding like by stopping all the legislation that's coming to the U.S. Senate before the midterms because they know they're going to I think the House the Senate Republicans are are they're kind of on the brink of of uh gaining gaining control back gaining back control of the U.S. Senate and I believe during next year's uh, this year's November midterms ele- midterm elections and that's just something that ha- that can be said about any election but I think this year is going to be something special with with the House and the Senate elections that are going to be going on and not all not all 100 members of the U.S. Senate are up for re-election. It's only certain races like Ohio, like all the retiring senators and have race have uh, Senate races going on in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Missouri. I think, I think North Carolina, Alabama, Arizona. I think also from Mark Senator Mark Keller's up for re-election, I believe and. And there's going to be a lot of interest in Nevada and New Hampshire, I believe, and Vermont, because it's Senator Leahy retiring after, I think, eight terms in the U.S. Senate. Went from the time he, from the first time he he was a senator at the age of 34 to now, when he's about to be 82, I think, or so. And if he would have, if he would have, if he would have, uh, committed to a ninth term, if he re, if he would have committed to another term of U.S. Senate, it would have been his ninth term at age 81 or 82, I think, which tells a lot about, about how long senators think they can just be in, be, end up being career politicians in the, in the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Senate, but that's for, that's for another de- debate, I think. So... So it's just kind of interesting to think about this, and I mean it is constitutional because it says each house may determine rules of its proceedings according to Article One, Section Five. And I certainly think the the uh, nuclear option is necessary when the se- when senators vote in either party that is in control of the U.S. Senate or in of the majority party think it is it's in the best interest and not in the in the best political interest, which I guess only makes sense in certain in, in certain instances, like when they like when they really need to pass certain legislation. But I also see it as a way that they it's just taking over over the U.S. Senate and an unnecessary way. So, I don't know. It can go both ways, I think. And it's just, it, there's lots of pros and cons with this nuclear, with U.S. Senate's nuclear option. Because it's not an actual nuclear bomb, it's just like a metaphor 
for when they can change rules so you can actually pass stuff and uh with 51 votes and you can actually start passing legislation because right now like senator ted cruz's uh i think it was a russia sanction sanctions uh nord stream 2 sanctions bill he, he had 50 uh they voted on it, and Ted Cruz's bill was voted down because only because it was five votes down, five votes short of passing. Because it, I think, the final result was 55 to 47. So he was close to having his bill passed, but I wouldn't be surprised if President Biden would have not signed it to law because he probably believes against any Republicans. Uh, he probably, I'm not saying he does anything, but President Biden, in my mind, would probably disapprove of a Republican Senator's sanctions bill for Nord Stream 2 bill. But a lot of Democrats actually vote for Ted Cruz's uh, Nord Stream 2 sanctions bill, and they crossed the island actually did some bipartisan but it was just not enough votes for it. So I think for this ne- has to be necessary, we have to keep the nuclear option for certain circumstances, because in order to keep, preserve the rule of the Senate, you have to be able to pass stuff with 60 votes, I think, and because 60 votes or more for, for any piece of legislation, you need to actually come together as bipartisan body and that's what I thought I totally believe in my heart and my, my mind that the Senate were supposed to be as a whole and including the House and the Senate it's supposed to be a body that comes together and works together no matter what party they're from where they're from what they believe in or what kind of string blues they are they they believe or have they need to come together and work together so they can make our lives, our American lives, or in our society better and work for us and not just for their own interest or their, their own financial or their own gain in a way. Because if they're just trying to make a li- uh, living out of out of uh, blocking a never center's bill or doing anything else like that, then I don't see the purpose of them even being a cent. But I guess that's never an issue. So, I think it just, to be honest, I think, uh, the senators need the threshold for 60 votes to, because they need to come together as, as a body and, and work bipartisanly on bills that, that everyday Americans should be able to agree on. I mean, not every not every bill they propose will be passed. Should be passed, but I'm saying the right ones, the right the bills that actually have the right material in them, or have stuff in the bills that they have proposed, like like about educational or healthcare. Everyone should be able to agree on that. Just at certain aspects of it, we might not agree on. So I think that's where we need to put this debate on when you come together and say, you know what, this is how we need to come 
together versus how you need to move on with this with this nuclear option in the Senate. This is how we're going to keep it for now until the next election or next uh, party control of the U.S. Senate. And I think that's how we need to do it. So that's how I'm viewing it. And that's how I analyze this. And I hope that you can take away some from this episode. If And, and it just teaches you about how the Senate needs to come together more often and work together instead of being a bickering politicians like they always are. They need to come together and actually work, do stuff for making people and actually work together. I don't see how if they don't, if they just work alone and not come together with each cent, with each, all the other centers, then how are they going to do anything for making people? But that's just my opinion and so that is the end of this episode of American Political Paradise. And if you like it, then please submit a review of this podcast on on Apple Podcasts. And keep always, always, always remember to keep subscribing to this podcast. Leave a subscribe button or follow button. And also, don't rem- don't forget to remember that. There's always something interesting in politics that's always going on. You might not understand it, but if you follow it closely and try to research it, you will get to the bottom of it. And it, and one way is that you can look at to see what what's going to what pieces of legislation are going through U.S. Congress is Congress.gov. That's a very helpful website. So as I've said, that is the end of this episode and. Uh, as always, I always will give you the truth and nothing but the truth, and I will stick to my gut as to what I believe in, and I hope that's right for my listeners. So thank you for listening, and have a good day.